leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. Uh, we have another great guest lined up tonight. Uh, Monday, we had Jared Mueller of the Browns Wire, and tonight we have another member of the Browns Wire. He also does an excellent podcast covering the Browns that you guys should all check out as well. Uh, if you haven't already, um, the podcast is called All Eyes on Cleveland, which is part of Blue Wire. And my guest tonight, the host of that podcast, Mr. Brad Ward. Brad, how are you, my brother? I'm doing great, Jackson. Honored to be on the Dogland. I appreciate the invite big time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, returning the favor because last year you had me on when we did the uh, Browns yeah. podcast fantasy draft, which was a lot of fun. So uh, uh, always wanted to return the favor. You were one of the people that I've always wanted to have on the podcast. So uh, appreciate which, you coming on. Which reminds me, are you down to play again this year? Oh, absolutely. If it, I start organizing it up, are you down to play again? Absolutely. Hopefully this year will go better than last year because I did not okay. do too well in that league. <laughs> okay. But well, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. It's all in, it's all in good fun, and it's uh, you know kind of some free marketing. So absolutely. So if we can make that happen, I'm definitely in. I will represent right. the Dogland once again. But um, we are sitting here on Thursday. Browns had an off day. Uh, so yeah. But finally, I mean, Brad, this is a unique training camp because there's no real big storylines. It's just they're They put their nose down and they're just working. And I, and I love this. I love that we don't have to deal with drama or infighting. These boys came in and they're just working their asses off and they, they, their mindset is clear. We need to, we're not satisfied with what happened last year. We're going to keep working because we have the ultimate goal of going to win a Super Bowl for not only the organization, but the city of Cleveland as well. Yeah, you know, I was talking about this yesterday, like Stefan, and it was a question was presented to me on on one show or another about Stefanski and Dee Podesta because Dee Podesta signed the five-year extension and everything. And I was like, oh, man, I thought he might go to the NBA. Like, he's turned around a baseball team, football team. Maybe go to the NBA. I don't know. What else does this guy have to accomplish in his career, right? Like he's a freaking genius, but um, I was kind of saying they were like, which is the most influential of the three for you? And I, and I was like Stefanski definitely because, you know, he's day to day with these guys and it was an immediate culture change. And like what you're talking about now, like this training camp going the way it's going. It's like, I remember when he first started in the first, you know, even though it was abbreviated last year, it was like, we're going to teach these guys how to practice the way we want them to practice first. And it was like the first time I heard a coach say that in Cleveland, like we're going to teach them how to practice the right way, how we want them to practice to take care of each other before we do anything else. So from here on forward, they know exactly what is expected of them. And, and you're seeing that in this training camp is that like, they know how to practice. They know how to take care of each other. They know how to do things the right way and get, get the work done that they need to get done. And, and they're so detail oriented with the coaching. It's like the, the practices are so efficient, right? Like each of these 
training camps is so efficient. I feel like they're getting so much done every day. Absolutely. I mean, it's like every, every day, the practice it's two hours, boom, they're done. And you don't hear about them going over. You don't hear about them ending practice early. Like they get all their work done and you don't hear any, you don't hear any rumblings like, Oh, they cut practice off early. Oh, they're going over. Like they come in, they get their work done and then they go home or they go back inside and keep working, learning in the rooms or whatever. It's just a smooth organization. Now you talked about the alignment the Browns feel like a legit NFL franchise now. And it's a shame that it took almost over 20 years for that to happen. But with from the Haslam's to D Podesta to Barry to Stefanski, everything's aligned. And it's just, it finally feels right to say like the Browns are a legit NFL franchise. And that's a good thing to hear. Incredible to hear. Been waiting a long time to hear it. And, and, And yeah, you can absolutely say that you talk about this front office um they're just everybody's just uh they're elite top class people and smart intelligent sharp people running the organization and you just feel like they're in really good hands and and, and like it's going to be that way for a long time hopefully yeah absolutely it's hopefully this just isn't a, like a one or two or three year thing like hopefully this is the start of you know, a 10 year run, maybe even longer than that. I mean, as long as they keep putting winning product out, I don't think any of us will be complaining about how this organization is structured now. Absolutely not. And that deep Podesta five-year deal is a, you know, that, that speaks to that. I don't see any of these guys going anywhere. It's not like uh Stefanski's going to get a better opportunity anyplace else. So. No, not at all. Uh, you know, the biggest news item I think this week was the return of JOK. Uh, he was obviously the lone Brown that tested positive for COVID. He, what he did admit he was vaccinated. His symptoms were asymptomatic. He was asymptomatic and he looked good in his interview. Didn't look like there was anything physically wrong with him. Uh, you know, that Stefanski said that they would ease him back in, but he did individual drills on Tuesday and then Wednesday he was in team drills. So it doesn't look like JOK is going to skip a beat. In terms of his development, it's a shame that he did miss out on the first five, I think it was five or six days of training camp. But, you know, Brad, it was such a steal that the Browns got him in the second round. What's your expectations for JOK as a rookie, especially with this linebacker room kind of being uh, a mixed bag as it stands right now? It's really tough to tell. And actually, you know, the questions you sent me in the, you know, the show kind of rundown you sent me, it actually got me into a good place of like looking at the 53 breakdown, like the construction of the roster, you know, X amount for this group, X amount for this group. And you look at that linebacker room. I want him to play well linebacker, honestly, uh, because I think that that's where he can be most effective. But I think a lot of that depends on what goes on in that safety room. Like how far does Grant Delpit come along how far, you know, are they able to just run those dime sets with safeties? Or are they going to want JOK to go from Will to play, you know, play in that overhang position, you know, uh, in that dime where he's the kind of hybrid uh, of the three? So he could switch back and forth to that. I would prefer to see him in the Will, though. I mean, a lot of people are like, he's too small. He's just, he's the same size as Darius Leonard. I mean, I have no problem with him playing linebacker all the time. And, I, you know, 
he's got to earn that job because Mac Wilson has come to play. I mean, he's playing good football in camp. Uh, he's always been kind of a camp warrior, though. Uh, I will say that. But uh, I just, you know, that you got to find a way to get him on the field. So if it's in that that kind of Viper hybrid position when they go to, you know, that dime defense that uh, Woods wants to run a lot of, that's fine. But I'd rather see him play Will Linebacker, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, like, starting out, ease him in as a Will Linebacker. If they do want to sprinkle in some packages where he drops back and plays safety, that's fine. You don't want to yeah. give the kid too much too soon. You just want to ease him in, transition him from college to the pros. The thing with safety, Ronnie Harrison's, like, the injuries are starting to flare up again. They flared up at the end of last year. It just makes me wonder if there's an injury. Are they going to count on Richard LeCount and Sheldrick Redwine potentially or Javante Moffitt, who's had some flashes in camp as well, too? Or will they look to, you know, sprinkle JOK back in there as a safety along with John Johnson, the third and Grant Delpit? That's a great question. And, and that is huge. Like the, how this goes. And I don't I'm not concerned about Harrison yet. I think they're being very cautious with everyone as they should be. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Harrison is, from all accounts, has looked tremendous when he's been on the field. So I love the combination of Harrison and John Johnson back there. I love John Johnson. Uh, I think he's going to make all the difference back there in the secondary. Um, but they're easing Delpit back in, obviously. They're easing OBJ back in. Um, I guess Greedy had pads on. Uh, yeah. I guess. I don't know if he participated in like hitting drills. I don't think he did or whatever, which I'm kind of like, what are we waiting for? Right. Cause it's not a lower extremity injury. So I'm ready to see like the nerve has fired, right? Like they waited forever for that nerve to fire. Like you got to find out now what's yeah. up with greedy. Yeah. I'm like, with let you him, man. let him, let him test that thing out. What's the point in keeping him in bubble wrap you need to find out now if he can play and hit and if he's going to be the same greedy that he was before. Uh, but the other guys, I understand why they're easing him in. So Delpit, I'm hoping is ready week one, but at least I would think we will have Harrison back. It's a hamstring, right? I think. Yeah. Hamstring. Soft tissue injuries are going to flare up, but so you make sure you want to make sure you give him time to get healthy because he's a big part of this. Cause I don't think you want to have to bring in I don't have Sheldrick Redwine. I didn't have Sheldrick Redwine making this roster. Uh, yeah, I to don't be either. honest. Um, but where the hell has Richie LeCount been? Because I thought he was going to take his spot. I was real high on Richard LeCount, and I don't. I haven't seen him anywhere to be found. Yeah, I haven't heard his so. name at all. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. Right. Uh, and I heard uh, normally. Yeah, I heard I think Jake Trotter hear. say that Moffitt was making a couple plays. So you've heard his name more than LeCount. So that's saying something. It is. I agree. And uh, so that's kind of scary as if, you know, so if you ran into injury trouble with Harrison and Delpit wasn't ready or, or got dinged again, cause you know, or whatever, or even John Johnson, all of a sudden you're thin back there. Do you want to play? I don't think you can play JOK in just a straight up safety role in the NFL, to be honest. No, no, no. I don't think so, so either. I think he's best fit uh, as a linebacker. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, 
that's where I get concerned. You know, I'd like to see Richie LeCount step up because I think he can be a good player. And, I, and I'm and i not, you'll find out if, if you listen to me at all, I'm not a fan of Sheldrick Redwines at all. Uh, very reactionary, never anticipatory. Uh, just uh, not a fan of his game personally. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's been around, what, this will be his third year, fourth year. He's, yes. Yeah, he's had flashes, but nothing consistent to say, like, this guy deserves to be part of the team going forward. But And there's yeah. so much depth there at the safety room. Like, he's going to unfortunately probably be the odd man out once the cut down start. I, I hope so. I hope somebody steps up. If it's Moffitt, if it's LeCount, hopefully LeCount. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I just think if he's your fourth safety – I don't, I don't feel as good about that room as, as I, as I thought I would, I, I guess, if, if you got in real injury trouble, but I think those three guys should be able to hold it down, right? Delpit, John Johnson, and Ronnie Harrison. It, you're right. The injuries have flared up, but soft tissue stuff this time of the year, it, that's, it's kind of status quo, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think Stefanski and the staff, as well as the, um, the medical team, I think they're playing it cautious and that's, and that's fair. You know, they got to get these guys into shape. You got to get them ready, but you don't want to give them too much because of these soft tissue injuries and, you know, the potential for something uh, catastrophic as well. Uh, Brad, when you, we go back to the linebacker room, I have, this was before camp. This was two weeks ago. I put together a projected roster, the linebacker room. I had Phillips. I had Walker. I had JOK. I had Taki Taki. And I was high on Tony Fields. I had him penciled in as the fifth linebacker. Unfortunately, he got hurt. So who knows what his fate's going to be, if he's even going to be able to play in preseason because we don't even know the extent of the injuries. How do you see the linebacker room shaking out um, as we get towards week one? Yeah, I I mean, I think, you you know, as I'm with you the same, uh, JOK, Mac Wilson, I have Mac Wilson in there, AWOC, Jacob Phillips, uh, Taki Taki. I had Malcolm Smith included in that list uh, to make the team uh, just because he's a veteran and you can put him in on passing downs. He, he does a pretty good job in coverage. Um, you know, AWOC's injury gives Jacob Phillips a good opportunity to get some reps at that Mike position. It really does. And I want to see him take advantage of this opportunity because he's the future of that position for the Browns, in my opinion, yeah. or should be. Um, and, and I think they think he is too, but, you know, he's got to grow into that role. Uh, the speed's there, the tackling's there. So this is a good opportunity for These are important reps for him right now with AWOC uh, out for a week plus, or maybe even longer. Tony Fields really got the raw end of the deal. Uh, you know, I don't know if you if I felt that he was going to make the team, I certainly think he would have challenged for it. Yeah. Uh, a position just because he's of that JOK type hybrid type that they like uh, the versatility that they like. He fits into that role, but man, you know, he hurts one foot and then o- overcompensates and hurts the other foot. That's just the worst, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, one it's injury unfortunate. leads to another. I, I don't mean to laugh at it. It's just like, it's just bad luck for him. Um, but I mean, he's missing valuable time. I mean, we're already, I mean, the time flies, man. We we're already what, like, uh, halfway to the preseason game. So, uh, you know, yep. Nine days away. Yeah. So he is, uh, missing valuable opportunity to show himself, uh, right now. 
Yeah, definitely. I just wonder, like, do they hold on to him? Do they like try to stash him onto IR? Like, what's the plan with him? And but like I said, we don't even know the extent of the foot injury. Um, That's what will tell the tale, right? You know, it, yeah, they can stash him on the IR, I guess. You know, because I I believe they're going to be operating under the same IR rules as last year, which gives you a lot more flexibility under those COVID IR rules where you you aren't restricted to just the two guys that can go and come back, right, was the older rule. And under the COVID rules last year, I think you can do that with as many people as you want or something to that effect. A lot more people. It was much more flexible with the way you could use the IR and bring them back off the IR. So if they want to stash him on there, if it's a serious injury, that's fine. Or if he comes back and, you know, he could be a very a good practice squad candidate, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I would tell you what, Mac Wilson has surprised me, you know, like you read yes. the reports that, you know, uh, he was under, he was like stuck to a walks uh, wing throughout all the mini camps, OTAs and everything. And like you said, he's always been a camp warrior, his rookie year, he balled out in the preseason. And I think that kind of really stirred up the hype train. Um, but yeah, he's looked good. That interception was phenomenal. He had on oh. Monday or Tuesday. I mean, incredible. I, I didn't expect Mac to make it this far. And I know he gets a bad rap just because he just seems like he's more dedicated to social media than he is he's too uh, loud on social media. Yeah. But from all accounts, the guy's been it's working all, his butt off all off season and congrats to him on the birth of his son as well. So that's why he was absolutely. out on Wednesday, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I could see you him know, making this team now. Yeah. Especially you know, with Jackson, Walker going down, he'll get all the reps for sure. You know, Jackson, he, um, he, I think he gets a bad rap uh, on the whole social media thing because everything he posts is positive, right? I mean, it's it's just it's all Cleveland Brown centric. It's all positive, so I think he gets kind of a bad rap on that. But and I know it can get a little annoying or whatever. But either way, he's he's being positive about the Browns. I mean, there's lots of fans that do the same thing every day. So I mean. I saw him play very poorly in games last year, like when he fell down in the hole in that one game and, you know, against the Steelers or maybe it was even the might have been in the Chiefs game uh, where he just fell down in the hole on that huge third down. And he there's he just, you know, has whiffed a few times when they really needed him and didn't play all that well last year. But that does not mean he's still the same athlete. Uh, you know, it takes it takes a minute for these guys to get it. And there's no question he came to camp with an improved NFL body. Uh, he looks super healthy and athletic. He's learning from AWOC. He's doing all the right things, you know, and maturing and, and growing into a position as part of this. I see him as a part of this team for sure. Uh, he's impressed me. That interception was incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, the read and react and the elevation and just the ability to catch. I mean, that was incredible. That I was like, that was a freaking linebacker, right? Um, the other name I threw out there that has played well in camp is Elijah Lee. Yes. Uh, Elijah Lee has actually played really well in camp. Uh, so we'll see what they want to do with him too. Yeah, definitely. I think linebacker outside of JOK, Walker, and Phillips, like whoever gets – picked behind them it's going to be interesting I, we may be in for a surprise Taki Taki might get cut you know Mac Wilson might make it when a lot of people kind of wrote him off like it's one of those unique position battles we're going to be watching throughout camp and preseason another guy 
Brad, that's falling out in camp. Donovan Peoples Jones. <laughs> yes. It, it shouldn't be a surprise because if you've seen how athletic this kid was coming out of Michigan, you knew that the potential was there. Urban Meyer said that this kid should have been a top 10 pick in the draft. I mean, the Browns got him in the sixth round, sixth or seventh round last year. And he had some flashes towards the end when he got more time. And man, in camp so far, this kid is making play after play, including the uh, 60 yard bomb from Baker on Wednesday. That was a pretty phenomenal double move on AJ Green. Yeah, he has uh, not disappointed. Came to came to camp once again. Same thing. Transformed his body. Uh, they all said that you know he looked much more NFL body ready, which he's already a specimen, right? Like, yeah, he already has the elite traits: the height, the jumping ability, the speed, the strength, uh, the ability to go high point a ball. Like, he has all the stuff that would make you like a a, a first round pick. Like, I don't get you know, how he fell so far in that draft with those traits, right? It's incredible. But for me, Jackson, he's like the Browns future number two. Like, so I want to mold him that way, or there maybe even a number one. I mean, I don't want to put a cap on him, but he's your, he's part of your wide receiver room for a long time, I think. So and he can play that outside role. And I think he can really grow into that and become a good NFL wide receiver. He's showing it now. I have, I, I pretty much think I know who the wide receiver room is. I think it's going to be six guys. I think it's going to be OBJ Jarvis Higgins, Donovan Peoples, Jones, Hodge and Schwartz. I'm right there with I, you. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think you can write that in pen right now. I, I can't imagine that changing. The, this regime loves Hodge because he does all the, all the little things right. He runs blocks. He he runs good routes. He catches the ball when you throw it to him. Uh, he's good on special teams. He does he does everything that you want. So this this they love him, right? They love Hodge. This, the funny thing about Higgins is this, right? Like, think back to Freddie's Freddie's year, 2019. He was sitting, couldn't get on the field, right? Even last year. They started Hodge at wide receiver three first coming out, right? Uh, and then he got hurt, and they went to DPJ. And then finally, Higgins got on the field. But when Higgins gets on the field, he doesn't let you take him off the field. Like, for me, he's like a gamer. Like, so maybe he doesn't practice as well or something, but when you put him in a game, he's elite. Like, what he did at the end of last year – was incredible. I think he could be a wide receiver too for a lot of teams in the league this year. Yeah. Um, the Browns are lucky to have him on the roster at two million dollars coming back. I mean, he knows where his bread's buttered with Baker. Like, um, so do I think he leapfrogs him? No, I think there's a, a little bit of fodder there. I think that uh, I think that you're still going to see Higgins in a prominent role. But I think the, there's going to not really be a wide receiver three designated role on this team. You're going to see, you know, A, they don't use three wide receivers a ton. That may change a little bit this year, but they're not going to be running a, a whole, like a total transformation to like 90% 11 personnel like the Rams or anything like that, right? So, let you know, let's not get crazy. They might, we say, might see a little more 11 personnel but it's not going to be crazy. I don't think 
they're not going to deviate from what they do that much. You might see some more because of the weapons, but you're going to see Donovan Peoples-Jones have a role uh, at, at wide receiver three. You're going to see Higgins have a role at wide receiver three. Big third downs, big possessions, middle of the field, even stretch the field sometimes. Higgins is going to get his looks. I actually think he'll get the majority of the targets. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones will be right behind him. I think you increase his looks a little bit, let him play that role. He can be a deep threat. He can stretch the field. Uh, he can go make those big plays for you. And then you, I, I think you have Schwartz with a role and Hodge with a role. I think they all get a piece of that wide receiver three position, which really probably limits any of them from being great fantasy players or great on paper production wise. But as far as the future of this team, you got Higgins on a one-year deal. You got Donovan Peoples-Jones who you want to be a part of your future. So you really got to make sure that they each get a little bit of that. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's camp thought fodder that like, you know, DPJ is making all these plays. He's going to jump Higgins on the depth chart. I just think like, Outside of Beckham and Landry, you can alternate any of the other four. Yeah. But I think yeah. they're all going to see playing time. And like you they'll said, it's going to come down to personnel situations on the field. I mean, there was times last year where Hodge would be come out and he would be the lone receiver. And you yes. were like, okay, you have Beckham and Landry over there. Why do you have yes. Hodge out there? But it worked. Hodge was getting yep. first down after first down prior to his injuries. And then just he just lost, got lost in the shuffle too. But yeah, I this wide receiver room is the deepest it's ever been. I mean, you think back five years ago where Terrell Pryor was our number one receiver. Oh now God. we have six NFL caliber receivers and each one of them can make an impact play at any time. Like it's phenomenal just <laughs> that we're in this position now. So uh, yeah, I'm with you with the wide receivers. Like your six is my six. I don't think any of them are changing. Although Jamarcus Bradley's having a good camp. It's going to be interesting to see if he somehow bumps somebody off and this could be a situation where he balls out in the preseason and a team wants him to make sure that they can get him, there you could see a trade where we get a future late round pick or something. I mean, these, we, we got a seven for David Blau a couple years ago from Detroit. So who knows what the possibilities are at that position. You could get, I was going to mention him actually uh, because, you know, when the, the famous jets game where, you know, they had to practice in, in the uh, hotel parking, parking deck lot. and yeah, parking deck or the parking lot or whatever. And uh, you know, he balled out in that game. I mean, he was very impressive. He was the only guy that really did anything for the Browns as a wide receiver. Right. Yeah. And, and then you see him in camp again and, and he's been impressive in camp the past couple of years too, yeah. making plays. He looks like an NFL wide receiver when he's on the field. He does. And we'll probably see that in the preseason. Um, he'll get his opportunities, but, uh, you know. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know if he's practice squad eligible or not. Uh, it'd be nice to keep him around maybe for, 
you know, this wide receiver room really opens up after this season, I think. Um, it depends yeah. on what happens this season, right? There's a lot of question marks, one-year deals, no more guaranteed money on Landry and Beckham. Like, it, there's a lot of question marks in this room moving forward, which is why it's important that Donovan Peoples-Jones gets an, an increase in, in share of football, uh, football's thrown to him. And maybe you keep a guy like Jamarcus Bradley in your practice squad or, or around because maybe he can play a role in the future. Still a young man that's shown some upside, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, Brad, as we get close to our first preseason game, which is nine days away against Jacksonville, you know, as when we get into the preseason and through the rest of training camp, is there specific players or specific position groups that you are watching extra closely above all the other position groups on the team? Yeah, man. The, uh, for me, like the interior de- defensive line is a total mystery for me right now. Like I, I, I would like to think that it's Malcolm Jenkins and, and uh, uh, Billings, right? Uh, oh, you mean Malik Jackson? Malik Jackson. What am yep. I talking about? Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, <laughs> Malik, Malik Jackson and and Andrew Billings is right. what I'm uh, meant to say. Uh, you would think it would be those two, but you know, Togiai, uh, Malik McDowell, um, Sheldon Day gets reps. I mean, the other day somebody goes out and Sheldon day is the first guy they bring in, which is weird. Cause you got Damian square is like a 14 year veteran and you've got Marvin Wilson who you paid money to as a UDFA. Uh, it's, I mean, they have a, a lot of talent in that room. I would love to see Malik McDowell just like, like I know he's had a lot of trouble. I had a guy on my show that had him at like, uh, I, he's going to kill me now. Uh, his name was Mike Rit- Rit- Riddleman. And he had last year Malik McDowell at like their free agent camp they have. Uh, you know, he was, to- and he was trying, he's trying to re- turn his life around because he's been in some trouble yeah. with the law. And uh, he's yet to play, you know, an NFL down. But if you watch his tape at Michigan State, I don't think I've ever seen better defensive line tape in my life maybe I mean he was a one-man defensive line edge interior edge I mean I mean he was incredible in some of those games you'll notice him he's like number four for Michigan State if you go back and watch the tape it's it's just floor it's incredible and he's a specimen of a human being so if he could find a way to make this team I would love that because I just think that he could be incredibly dominant um huge upside for him. What happened to Marvin Wilson? I think he got forced to play out of position in the year that he came back at Florida state. Cause he would have gone in the first round if he goes a year earlier, uh, obvious talent there, but what happened to him? I mean, how do you fall off that bad in one year? Right. It's very um, fascinating. It is. And, and then, you know, that that whole room is just a mystery to me. Tommy Togi, I think, could be really good. Uh, I think a lot of people, for me, he has maybe the ability to have the biggest impact as a rookie, I think. I think Togi, I could win a starting job and be huge for this team. 
he's more solid than any of that. I think Togi makes the team for sure of that four, that group of four probably that you're going to get out of there. And I think Billings will make it and probably, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Malik Jackson. I keep calling him Malcolm Jenkins. What I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, Malik Jackson, I, I think makes it, but that fourth guy, you know, Jordan Elliott, I think has great upside, but his tape was kind of underwhelming last year, Jackson. And I just don't know where they are with him. Certainly his college tape was incredible. And you would like to think that, I mean, I mean, it was, it was excellent. I expected big things from him, but his tape last year was really underwhelming. I was underwhelmed with his performance last year. I thought he would grow into the role more. He really didn't grab it and, and, and demand more snaps or anything in that rotation. I'm hoping he does that this year but there's so much talent around him. That, that room is just a mystery. And I don't know if it's really good or really suspect yet. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of names in there, but it's just so much unknown because there is all new names in there. I mean, we always saw Jordan Elliott. That was it from the looks yeah. of it. I mean, we got Malik obviously coming in in free agency. Billings opted out last year. He's back. Looks to be in better shape than he was during mini camp because some of them pictures were just like, <laughs> what, what did you do during this year, Andrew? But then yeah, yeah you add Togi I and uh, Marvin Wilson in the draft. And obviously Malik McDowell is the lottery ticket. Cause you know, was a sec- was a second round pick when he got drafted yeah. by Seattle. And yeah. then we never saw him. Obviously he's had his issues, his demons. I mean, if he turns out to be, a steal for us. I mean, kudos to Andrew Barry in the front office for doing the work and taking the chance on the kids. So, but yeah, just a lot of unknown, like I'm ready to see, this is going to be the group I will watch very closely when uh, the preseason games start. Cause I mean, you can't take too much out of the preseason, but this is all these guys, like this is their shot. And I think they're going to try to make the most of it once they hit the field. Yeah, that group and, and obviously linebacker, we already talked about it. I think linebacker, you got to pay close attention to, I think, you know, as long as AWOC gets healthy, we know he's going to be out there. But, I mean, really, how much is he going to be out there? If they're in sub packages all the time, he may be on the field first, second down, that's it. Because um, for me, like, if you're going to have one, if you're going to really run this dime and you're going to do it with, like, one linebacker on the field, that linebacker should be JOK. I mean, if you really want to threaten with speed and hybrid and you know they're passing and, you know, third and 15s, it should be JOK as that linebacker on the field, the one, you know. If you're going to go three safeties and all that stuff, uh, that's a – I mean, think about that. Think about having Delpit, John Johnson, uh, Ronnie Harrison, JOK, Troy Hill – you know, uh, and then you and then you run like your NASCAR package where you move Clowney inside, which help makes me feel better about the interior of this defensive line because I know they can get Clowney inside and he'll do a good job, right? And, um, and Miles, even. yes, and Miles if you have to, right? Yeah. yeah, and but you know, kick Clowney inside, have Tack McKinley on one side, have you know, uh, you, you know Jackson 
uh, on one side and, uh, and miles, yeah, miles on the other side, and you run kind of a, a yeah, I mean that package on like a third and fifteen try, trying. I mean, there's so much speed on the field. You know what I mean? Um, whether it's greedy or or Newsom, I think it'll be Newsom. Honestly, yeah, uh, he he's been impressive. I think, uh, and uh, not that greedy hasn't. It's just I I I just think you take a guy in the first round. If he doesn't, maybe I don't know. Maybe Greedy will beat him out. I, I just would be I would be kind of shocked if 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 um, no matter who starts, I would be shocked if the corner opposite Ward, when everybody healthy, isn't more often than not um, losing my mind. Newsom. Uh, yeah, I, I just think Greg Newsom beats him out. I, I do, um, and earns those reps. Here, hearing you list off that defense with the it's NASCAR crazy, pack. Right? Oh my God. The yeah. possibilities with that defense are endless. Like the way that they revamped that entire defense this offseason was unbelievable. Just like they did the offensive line. And that was the one thing I wanted to bring up because I brought it up with Jared on Monday. The the backup offensive lineman. That's that's another thing I'm gonna be watching in the preseason because incredible. We know our starting five, but then who are gonna be the odd men out? as the reserves. Cause you, I think Hudson makes it. I think, I think Nick Harris is going to make it. But then when Jake Burns said, Michael Dunn was taking snaps at center makes me wonder like that. What are they going to do there? Uh, oh, I man. think Chris Hubbard's going to make it, but then you have Alex Taylor, you have Greg Sinat. Like you obviously have drew Forbes who's coming back after he opted out last year. You also have Blake Hans, who, you know, as the darling of the fan base, because he's the guy named Blake that Baker uh, tagged him with the name, uh, that name after the playoff win, like the, res- the, how are they going to construct the reserve offensive lineman? That's going to be another interesting uh, decision-making process for Andrew Barry and company. Yeah. Well, you, you'll probably keep 10, right. And you end up dressing like eight. So uh, it's probably like Hudson Forbes, Harris, Dunn, Hubbard is what I would think is, is your backup five. Maybe I, James Hudson is going to be a hell of an offensive lineman. I think, Yes. Uh, I mean, he was a great steal, great pick draft pick. I mean, Andrew Barry just, it feels like he, he knows, knows all right now and can, can do no wrong, but yeah, I just think uh, Hudson is going to be really good. Uh, in the future. I, I think that like, if they go to, you know, secure Teller on a deal because he's 26 and maybe Batonio or Treader because they're 29 and out of guaranteed money after this year, maybe, you know, you can move Nick Harris in there or Dunn or it's James, James Hudson could take over for Batonio. And I hate to say that, but like, if you want to spend money, I would rather spend it on a 26 year old teller who might be the best offensive lineman in the NFL last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, it's, it, that's going to be another interesting thing next off season. Like who do they move to allocate cap money to the pay Baker to like try yeah. to keep the core group together. Like I know fans that- are going to, Fans are going to say like, oh, the salary cap's a myth. Look at what happened this past offseason. It's a myth to a degree, but at the same time, decisions are going to have to be made and they're just going to have to start. Like they, like Conklin, Conklin's another thing. If Conklin has another all pro season, do they look to pay him? So if you're going to pay him, then do you not pay Teller? Do you 
do you cut both Batonio and Treader to keep Teller and Conklin? Like that could be another situation there. So it's it's like, all going to be I fascinating. Know, and I'm glad I, I don't know Treader is a warrior. Decisions. I know Treader is a warrior, Jack uh, Jackson, but uh, he he. I, I know where you're going having, here. I know where I you're hate going. having the president of the <laughs> NFLPA on the roster. It's so annoying. Like the whole like other teams had like 90% of their players there and we're playing all these games tiptoe around his uh, emotional or his agenda. I just, uh, there's too, it's too much politics in football when he's on your roster. There's a reason that these guys, that the president of the NFLPA often leaves the team a couple of years after he gets the job or like right after he gets the job. I, it's just a hindrance almost, you know, um, I think Nick Harris, Nick Harris has done, oh, every time he's been forced into action, he's done an admiral job. Uh, I think, to add, uh, let me ask you this, Jackson. Do you think this line, line of Chris Hubbard, Michael Dunn, Nick Harris, Drew Forbes, and James Hudson is better than the Steelers' offensive line? <laughs> oh, without a question, because I can't even name They're anybody on the Steelers' offensive line. <laughs> that, uh, that's that's, that's funny, right? That their offensive line making decisions and the Bengals offensive line making decisions have baffled me so bad. And I feel yes. like Cincinnati definitely, I feel so bad for Joe Burrow right now. Cause he just seems like it's all up here mentally right with him. And it's like, you had a chance to take Rashawn Slater or uh, the kid from Oregon and you took Jamar chase. So well, yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, so well. I feel bad yeah. for Burrow. Like, hopefully Cincinnati can get it together for his sake, but it just seems I, like it's all mental with him right now, the way he's trying I, to come back from this knee injury. I don't blame the Bengals as much because, to me, Jamar Chase makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's going to – I think he's going to be a really special wide receiver. Now, they already got a bunch of special wide receivers down there, which is right. kind of the problem, right? Like, you already took T. Higgins, and you already have Boyd. I mean, they, but they got a lot of weapons out there for Burrow to throw to. And, and I think they kind of made up for, I think Jackson Carmen can be a pretty good pick. Like, or they, they took him later. Right. Uh, yeah. I think, and I think he'll do a nice job uh, on their offensive line. So, you know, you know, there's a little bit of opportunity, you know, cost there, but uh I think that um, they did okay. The, the whole thing with the Steelers is like taking running back first round, tight end second round is like so not the Steelers way, right? And like, I just don't, like you have to build the line before you take the back, right? Like uh, I would, would have rather taken a back in like the seventh round and let him run behind a, a more powerful offensive line than try to take a special back and have him run behind nothing. We know that doesn't work in the NFL. No, not at all. And you think like they drafted McFarland was a year or two ago. They've drafted other running backs in the middle rounds. Like, yeah, you, do you not trust them? That's why, yeah. I mean, Najee Harris was a talented back at Alabama, but if he doesn't have a line to run behind and create holes for him, like how good is he really going to be? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't think that the Steelers will be very good, but something tells me that Tomlin will have him around 500 no matter what just because of that defense. So it'll be an interesting to see what they're able to do, you know? Yeah, without question. Um, you know, Brad, as we wrap up, I 
Do you, can you explain to me what is going on with Joe Judge and the Giants and Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions? Because, <laughs> like, the way that they are operating their training camps right now, uh, this is the National Football League. This is not high school football. Like, I do Jun- not understand. Junior high football. Junior high football even. But it's like, I do not see these guys lasting very long as head coaches. Like, the way that they're operating things, like the Giants have a full team brawl, and then Joe Judge comes out and says, you know, seeing that, seeing guys that passionate, he goes, it turned me on a little. And then you have Dan Campbell making them do like, I don't, it, was, it wasn't even bear crawls. I forget what the drill was, but it, and then he's talking about how he drinks 40 ounces of coffee every morning. And it's like, dude, like, what are you doing up there? Like, I don't understand yeah. some of these decision makers. It, it, it's tough. You know, the crazy thing is, as crazy as Dean Campbell comes off, I think he's a really smart football guy. And, and Joe Judge, too. But they just, I think they just, they're old school and they rub people kind of the wrong way. And I don't think they care. Uh, and that's just kind of their approach. You know, we got lucky with a guy like Stefanski who, you know, he never answers any questions really, you know, like I used to get so mad at Hugh Jackson cause you know, he would, he would answer every question like, and talk about things until he, you know, stuck his foot in his mouth. Like, bro, shut up. You're the head coach of a football team. You're not supposed to answer these questions. Like answer it like a politician. Right. You know, like it, it's just, you're the figurehead, right? Like you have to be in front of that podium every day don't answer anything you don't really like you don't have to right and then you know jake burns said this to me the other day and made me laugh it's so true about uh what what's his name after uh freddie kitchens freddie would be like i'm not going to answer that question and then as they were answering the next question he would go you know what you know what and then he would start talking about the question and go and go back to it right like he couldn't resist himself and uh, it's like we have the perfect guy for that now because he doesn't tell you anything he doesn't want to tell you, uh, and he's very polite about it. But Campbell and Judge, they're just they're they're off the hook. Uh, I mean, we got to go practice against that Giants team. Yes. Uh, and you know, I, I forget who it was that took the cheap shot. And uh, for them, the Giants, it was a corner uh, that started or whatever, but uh, it's somebody that's known for that. You know, I don't know how the Giants are going to be this year, but, uh, you know, Joe Judge is a smart football guy. I just don't, I, I just think that I actually brought it up. I was like, do you think fighting in training camp is a good thing? Cause some coaches like that. Like it shows the passion, the, energy but i think like focus should prevail above all right and i think like that's what we're seeing in cleveland is like here's what we're focused on and we're so focused on that that we're not gonna let the little bickering one-on-ones get in the way like you certainly i think once pads come on the wide receivers and dbs are gonna get physical they're going to start jabbing. You're going to have to, you know, they're going to mix it up a little bit. That's kind of happened in every camp in the NFL. But a full-on brawl where your quarterback's at the bottom of the pile is ridiculous in New York. And then uh, Dan Campbell is just a piece of work. Uh, you know, I talked to Jeff Risden. He covers – he's been at Lions camp. Uh, 
and I asked him about the golf so far. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's golf. You know, he's looked pretty good in seven on sevens. Other times he looks bad, but they have no wide receivers up there. No, uh, I just don't know, you know, you know, the kneecaps and they're just both overwhelming personalities and like that style of like uh greg with two g's williams right of like like it works for a while and it can be effective for a while like dan campbell style i think like in your face screaming going nuts all the time intensity i think guys will buy in for a while but you can't have sustained success that way no um, it wears on the team and it wears on the players but for a short period of time it can work uh i think we actually benefited from that a little bit with greg williams uh when they fired uh hugh like for a short period of time that'll rally the troops and people will respond to that kind of passion but Long term, it's it can't be the answer of sustained success. No, I don't think so at all. I think you hit it right on the head with the great Williams thing. Like people were saying because of the way he rallied the troops that he should have been named the full-time head coach. And I was I never no. thought that it would be sustained no. success. I thought like if they would have hired him to be a head coach, like the full-time coach, it wouldn't have lasted. It would have lasted maybe a season if that, and then they would have just been starting over again. So they made the right choice. Unfortunately, well, they didn't make the right choice the first time with Freddie, but but they made it this time with Stefanski. You did bring up that, you know, we're going to practice with them in a couple weeks. And, you know, Tony Grossi brought it up to Stefanski. He goes, you know, I know the Giants are a ways off, but did the brawl raise any concerns? And Stefanski goes, no, Tony, I'm just worried about the Cleveland Browns. And I'm glad, like, he did not, like, you know, comment on it. Like, Hugh or Freddie or anybody, they would have commented on it. Stefanski's all about the work. Like, he doesn't care what's going on around the league. Like, he's focused on what he has to do to make sure that the Cleveland Browns are in the right position. And I'm glad we have that coach. Because if we had a Dan Campbell or a Joe Judge, I I might be, like, in the fetal position. I might be in the fetal position over in the corner, like, here we go again. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean – to me, the Giants roster is not that bad. Like, I think they could be a good uh, – I mean, they could win that division maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what J- Joe Judge can do with those guys. Uh, D- Dean Campbell, I think, is going to be in for a long season maybe. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and, you know, camp – the camp shenanigans, I mean, that's just old school football thinking like – and, and whether there's just a lot of that still in the NFL, there's probably more of that still in the NFL than there is the new way of approaching it. Like Stefanski does. Um, no, I, I so definitely agree with that. It's, it's a, it's a old, it's an old uh, boys club, you know? Um, and that's what you're seeing there in those two camps. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, as we wrap up, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, appreciate the time you've had, we've had to talk Browns and everything. Um, go ahead and plug all eyes on Cleveland, plug your work at the Browns wire and, uh, go ahead and plug your Twitter as well. Yeah. So I'm coming out with a series of the Browns wired called, uh, things I think I know about the Browns that I'm going to do probably like weekly. Uh, and, uh, so I'm excited to do that. Um, 
And uh, you can uh, come check out All Eyes on Cleveland. You can get it on podcasts, anywhere podcasts are at. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, we're like 1,400 subscribers. So come subscribe, check it out. Uh, it's gaining some good momentum. We just did our fantasy football show last night, and I had like two of the best fantasy guys you can get on uh, Dave Loughran from Awesome O and Scott Simpson, who does like a, like a million fantasy shows. And they were hilarious and fantastic. So if you have a fantasy draft coming up, go check out my fantasy special last night. You'll laugh. You're, 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 uh, can I cuss on this show? No. Yeah, go, you'll laugh go your, right ahead. <laughs> you'll, you'll laugh your butt off. And uh, you'll also learn a ton about draft strategy. These guys are, are, are spot on when it comes to fantasy. So that was our fantasy special yesterday. And we'll be right back to training camp breakdown with your last guest, Jared um, Mueller, tomorrow night. So me and Jared tomorrow night for a training camp breakdown. And your Twitter is? At Word on Sports yes. and at All Eyes on Clee. Yep. Definitely go check out Brad's stuff if you haven't already. He, he puts out great content. Uh, the podcast, the YouTube channel, they're all phenomenal, as well as his work at the Browns Wire. So uh, uh, as for me, you guys can follow me on Twitter at JackMcCurry08. You can follow the podcast at The Dogland on Twitter, as well as uh, The Dogland on Facebook. And until next time, Browns fans, we'll be back next week. Got a couple guests lined up, so uh, stay tuned for that. Um, go back to the archive, listen to Jack Duffin and the Jared Mueller interviews. Brad, you got one more thing? Yeah, I, I hopefully you will join me again for our live draft this year. Absolutely, man. Yeah, whenever it happens, I will be there, and I'll definitely uh, check in okay. and talk some ball you're, with you, man. You're the only one that would come on the air live with me last year. Everybody was so focused on their picks, but you you came on and chopped it up as we watched people pick, talk some Browns. It was great. So uh, hopefully we can do that again this year. Absolutely, brother. As we get on out of here, guys, until next time, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.